This episode of Blue Shirts Breakaway is brought to you by you, the fans. That's right. Go to patreon.com slash blue shirts breakaway today to get access to our BSBOTs, Discord, and more. I am delirious on today's episode because I'm a little sicky boy. That's right. You heard correct. I'm sick and I'm still podcasting. It's my Jordan flu game or whatever you want to call it. Uh, we have Lance like, like, oh no, I did it again. I'm not re-recording this. I'm not re- I'm just, I'm, I'm going to, Lance, lie. Sowski. Cool. I Look, this is a whole part of the episode. You'll get it. Just keep listening. He's from the Buffalo News. He's awesome. He's been on this podcast before. We talk about some of the new coaching hires the New York Rangers have hired. Uh, we go deep into what they are going to bring to this coaching staff. And we talk about the Eastern Conference, Buffalo, and way more. So without further ado, here's Greg and I talking about the 25 under 25. Oh, God, I'm so sick. 25 under 25 that he's writing and more and other Blue Shirts Breakaway goodness that you're here for, right, guys? Right? Raise your hand. Clap. Yay. All right. Here's Mark Messier. Here we go. Hi, everybody. It's Mark Messier, and you're listening to Blue Shirts Breakaway, the number one Rangers podcast. Hey, Blue Shirts Breakaway fans. Welcome. For the Bush Breakaway, I am your host, Ryan Mead. I'm here with my co-host, Greg Kaplan. Greg, I know the NHL refs are bad, but boy, Premier League Soccer, that's rough too. It's I, I, I miss the drama this weekend. I was I Ryan, I'm a man of culture now. Okay. I heard <laughs> uh, I think you saw Jurassic Park, is that correct? Jurassic Park with a with the Philadelphia Symphony Orchestra hey, playing the score to Jurassic. The only Park. good thing to come out of Philadelphia, I think. Uh, it was wonderful. Um and then Sunday. I went to a comedy show, so I'm just sports. Don't have any time for it anymore. Oh, it's not like you missed much. It was just like the ref show. It's like, oh, you uh, you looked at that guy red card and then ruined like five different games, five different red cards this weekend. Thanks, EPL refs. Very fun. whatever you won, you're fine. It's not just that. It was Arsenal as well. They also won. Whatever. They also won, so they're fine. <laughs> it sounds like everything's fine. That's um, true. Chelsea did lose. I had a great time. We'll it say was- uh, Sam Morel is who I saw at the Egg. One of the weirdest venues that's ever existed, but I really like it. Yeah, Albany, love him. He's got a special on Netflix. Recommend everybody to watch it. Uh, he's definitely not. Gonna, if you listen to the show, he's your cup of tea. He's just—he's a sarcastic, angry Jew. Uh, let me know if you've ever heard anyone like. Never that. Never heard of anything like that. <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> um, in Ranger news, Lafreniere still has not signed. There was oh, been a, no. I know, I know. Like I, that's how we start. Everyone. I wish we would have like had a running bit. For Lafreniere signing throughout the season, but it's just mentioning it every single episode. Mm. Uh, other than that, I think there was the uh, players under twenty five was released by Company X. Is that correct? I saw no, that. I'm doing that, you stupid fucking idiot. No, wasn't there another one? I'm no. Sorry. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Full disclosure. Uh, I hate Greg. Second, second disclosure. That's uh, fine. In the article, through there, um, I'm releasing it in parts. I've released the first mm-hmm. two parts today, and. Uh, well, Pronman had the under 22 is what oh, he Oh, that's did. what I meant. I'm sorry. Yeah. Great. Fuck him. I did under 25. I'm better. Also, it's sad how under t- – we'll, we'll get into my list in a second. But I knew you are never going to read it, so I took pot <laughs> shots at you throughout the entire piece. It's true. I didn't click on it at all. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I made mention of how uh, I made fun of your drafting style. I made a Don't. Jackson Holiday joke. <laughs> 
You did, um, yeah. But hopefully you didn't mention Wander Franco. That would be very rude. No, I don't expect 14-year-olds to read this. Oh, come on. Under 25, <laughs> 22. Well, I didn't Jesus. do an under 12 list, Ryan. They were supposed to release an update today, and they didn't. What, on Wander Franco? Yeah, the update's yeah, going to be yeah, like, oh, he's still a pedophile. There's never playing again. It's cool. Awesome. Uh, so I had two questions for you, Ryan. Yeah, hit me. First one, how old do you think Ryan Lindgren is without looking? I think he's legitimately 25. Yeah, he's 25. Still nice. in mind. Nailed it. Where on my list do you think Jake, Phantom Jake, came in at? Is Jake under 22? He's under 25. Again, okay, my sorry. List. Why do you keep going to Corey Brown? <laughs> we had him on the show, and the man's monotone and boring as hell. We're going with Greg's list. Where's Jake? Uh, how many players on the list? 25. Okay, so it's 25 under 25. That's the concept? Yeah. Uh, even numbers. What do you want me to do? Twenty-two hundred. No, no. I'm sorry. I'm just. I'm just. I'm delusional. I really am. I'm oxygen deprived as well. Is Jake twenty-five? No. What? He's better than that. Twenty-two. No. Wow, he's higher. Uh huh. Not wow. a lot of under twenty-five-year-olds in the Ranger system, Ryan. Eight, this eight, is the point I'm getting at here, uh, where it's it's not eight, great. Eight, eighteen, seventeen. I think he's eighteen. Yeah. Oh God. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, yeah. I saw. Yeah, I did briefly see your list. No, you didn't. I, I, okay, you saw it existed. There's no chance you've looked I said, at the list. I said, I said, I, again, thinking of Fraudman. <laughs> <laughs> this show sucks. I, I don't know. I don't know. What? Like, what do you want me to do here? I am creating. Why does anybody listen to this? Oh, God. I am creating content for the people, and all you're doing is like, shut up about your content, <laughs> Greg. Let me plug somebody else who we don't get money to, from anymore. They used to pay us, but doesn't anymore. They tried to fire us. And then we quit. Um, cool. Good times. Uh, yes, it is a devastatingly sad market when it comes to under 25 players. Because I think on the roster right now, it's Fox? Yep. Lindgren? No, Fox is 25 himself. So yeah, Fox so- and Lindgren. I don't. If you're 25, you're not under 25. Ah, I see. Yeah, there's that key word there. It's not. It's not equal to and under you know Bro, comprehension is unbelievable well it's... you're fucking struggling we have a guest <laughs> on today who you spent three minutes before the interview being like tell me how to say your last name like, and then we start the interview and you're like oh, here's lance <laughs> fucking no last name over here yeah i and i was like fill the ha- the house or <laughs> something uh full disclosure i've been uh i'm i'm, I'm quite ill and I'm trying to uh, gather. Usually I can't speak, and the ability is is further gone uh-huh. this weekend. Sounds like. Uh, okay, so under 25 yeah. is Kako, Heedle, yep. Schneider, yep. Lafreniere, yep. Keandre Miller. Yep. Oh, boy. <laughs> uh, uh, and then after that, Zach you get, Jones? Zach Jones is, yep. And that's it. it. On the, on, the guy's guaranteed to be on the NHL roster in the age of 25. That's about it. But oh. like then, because then you immediately go. I mean, I'll spoil my own list. I don't care. Everyone's going to read it anyway. Keandre to me is the number one player under the age of twenty-five. I don't think on that's the a question. Kabukako is number two. Mm-hmm. Um, number three was Heedle. I just, I, I, to this day, it's, it's. I think Heedle and Kako is where you get the most interesting conversation. Heedle's offensive game is better than anything Kabukako does individually. But I truly believe Kapokako, if they ever wanted to give the Selkie out to a winner, is th- is going to be that capable of a defensive player in the future. He's so really like, that good. And I also, it, you know, if Hedo picks up an injury, you have Zibanejad, you have Trocek. Maybe you don't feel great about it, but you're all right. If Kapokako picks up an injury, 
boy, do you need Blake Wheeler to be great. Like, there's just no kind of safety net below Capococco. Whereas Heedle, we all hope Heedle is getting 2C ice time. We all hope he plays with Artemi Panarin because I think we all think he can unleash something in Panarin's game that we just didn't see from Trocek last year. If you take Capococco out of this lineup, good fucking lord. It's a lot of Jimmy VC and Barclay Goodrow on right wing, especially if Alexi Lafreniere can't stick on the right wing. And which we we have no idea yet. We won't be able to. Yeah, there was one quote this week. I think uh, Leshik posted in our insiders chat that was like, "Yeah, Blake Wheeler, are you coming in to win the first line?" Like, yeah, of course he is. Like, what else is he going to do? Is he going to be a first line player? I don't know. Does it actually matter? I'm also not sure. As long as Kako is in the top six, that's kind of what matters to me. Yeah, but I also like my coach saying any player could get any time they want if they earn it. I, I get nothing, it. There's nothing wrong with that. I, no, I what else do you want a coach to say? What else? What honestly? What else do you want a coach to say? No, do, he can't do anything, and I'm taking all his motivation away right now. You know who sucks? Deal Blake with it. Wheeler. So he's yeah, going to sit on the third line. Fuck yeah. him. Why would we sign him? Who fucking hired this guy? <laughs> this guy sucks. <laughs> yeah, there's no way. I'm with you. I, Gerard Gallant, famous liar, preached meritocracy for a long time and then didn't do it ever mm. not once i actually can't remember a time where he practiced meritocracy um spitefulness yes meritocracy no yeah i mean yep. dc earned extra ice time in different situations last year but it again the problem with galan isn't that he just didn't give out he didn't run a meritocracy it was that it was easier for a veteran to achieve something than a kid that that was the problem there were there was definitely a sliding scale of expectations for every player and if jimmy vc who had no expectations exceeded his expectations he was awarded whereas if alexi lafreniere came within 97 percent of meeting his expectations he was scratched because he didn't meet expectations yes always and lafreniere and kako as we've aptly mentioned many many times hated gerard glant mostly because they weren't getting coached and mm. it's it's not because of they i think they tried to earn it and then they finally i think he got the pressure to put lafreniere up top for like a game or two and he's like hey this didn't work fuck you guys and then moved him <laughs> back down that's it yeah uh lafreniere is by the way fourth in my 25 under 25 just because I don't think that's surprising at all no I, you're not putting him above Heedle, kako or miller for sure um, and I don't think you can actually put Schneider above Lafreniere as good as Schneider has been. I, I, writing this, it just feels like, I don't know what happened. Braden Schneider has graduated to the Scotty Reynolds school of he's been in my life for 75 years, even though this is going to be <laughs> year two his for his second full season in the NHL is this season coming up. That didn't feel right. When I wrote it, I was, I'm pretty sure Braden Schneider has been in my life. Longer than Jacob DeGrom has at this point. It it does feel like he's been around for a long time. And I think Schneider can take another level. But I also think this is sort of just who he is. Like, I'm not saying his development's going to stop. But he is sort of that big body, like, middle defenseman. Where it's like, okay, he can pass. Has I, some offensive upsides. I do think, I think there's offensive upside where we haven't tapped in. Because of the way Gerard Gallant likes his third line. And we do forget... Schneider had a revolving door of people he played with that included Lieber Hayek and Ben Harper for a he lot was of in an incredibly season. unfair position. Yes. And he did fine. 
all things considered. But it, I do. We've seen things in Schneider's offensive game where if he plays with an Eric Gustafson and a Zach Jones for the entirety of the season in a different defensive structure that allows him to be a little bit more inventive and creative. I do think there's another level for him to reach. He just was never going to reach that level with Gerard Gallant when Gallant walks in the room and says, all right, here's what I want for my third pair. Fucking nothing. I don't want you guys taking penalties. I don't want you doing shit. I yeah, want don't you send breathing. the breathing. I don't even want you taking poops. I don't, I, no peas, no bathroom breaks. You're just going to be out there. You're going to be boring. I'm going to put you out with my bottom six, which is going to include a lot of Johnny Brodzinski, and you're expected to be absolutely nothing. And you know what? To his credit, Schneider did it. He, he was perfectly capable of what Gallant wanted him to do. I just nice. I think there's more there on the bone, and I think we're going to see it this year because he's simply going to play with better players. And Schneider scored a couple goals, uh, more than he was expected to last year, that's for sure. Right, because he was, again, expected to do nothing. And he scored, uh, let's see, I got him down for five goals. It's pretty good. Pretty good. Here, here's another fun game. How many points do you think Alexi Lafreniere had last year? I think it's like... What is it like thirty six? Wow! Look at you. Are you a Ranger fan? Is that, was that it? It was thirty nine. Sixteen ah, goals, twenty three assists. Damn! I thought I hit it on the mark. <laughs> how many? How many points do you? This is this is what podcasting is. The third week of August. How many points yes. do you think Cabocaco scored last year? Mm, I don't. It's much less because he was injured. Was it like twenty nine? <laughs> you got two things wrong there. Uh, one, it was more. It was forty points. And two, Cabocaco played in every game last year. Oh my god, I'm an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> so, so not only was it much, it was, was not. Oh, that much, was two years ago. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah. Last year was Cabocaco's first full 82 game season. 40 points, right. 18 goals, 22 assists. Yes, he but he he was line juggled a bit. That's still good. 40, 40, 40 fine. 40 points. Like when I was writing this piece, I, I honestly thought Kako had 25 points. That's just what I had I in my tw- head. I just said 29, and I think he's great. <laughs> so pretty fucking terrible of me. Mm. How many, uh, another fun. How many points do you think yeah, Gabe Perot had last year for the National Team Development Program? Didn't he break the record? Was it like yeah. 117? 132. Oh, my God. 63 games, Ryan. That's insane. That's too many points. But but didn't La, the, this is the Lafreniere stat that always like blows my mind. It's, this is a totally incorrect stack, but go look it up yourself. I think in juniors over two years, didn't he have like 221 points? Something, something like that. Something very stupid. <laughs> something incredibly dumb. And then uh, and then he was, just got to the NHL and was like, oh, I can't skate. It's interesting. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I saw some, uh, uh, of course, our dear friend Matty Jack pissed people off with the Lafreniere playing baseball uh, picture. First of all, softball. Uh, okay. Softball. And, Second of all, and, listen, at least yes. some people are playing. You know what I mean? Yeah, there's Lucy's out there trying. Hey, Pete Alonso's trying now. That's nice. Hey, that, yeah. Who finishes with a better record this year, the Yankees or the Mets? Because, boy, it's going to be close. I think the Mets are trying to – Mets are actively trying to finish with a worse record than the Met, the Yankees. And yet which I makes think it a lot finish with a worse better for the one. Yankees. Yankees stink, man. Yeah, because Pete – Pete's on fire. Dude, they have nobody. It is really bad. It's bad. I, I saw it, that they're calling up Pereira today. Great. Good for you. It's not going to do shit. He, like, he, how, how did the – we're getting close to the point where there's no way Cashman and Boone stay, right? Oh, he's staying. I, I, yeah, he's staying. Man, it's going to be so fun listening to all the bitching and moaning Yankee fans are going to do. I'm going to fucking love it. It's, if I'm it's Cashman, my, in the world. my position is – 
look, we've made the playoffs all these different years. We had an off year. Things didn't go our way. That's okay. Like I get one do over here if I have fifteen years of great service. That's my position. Though he took his one do over already. Remember the year they got Torres and traded Chapman and traded Andrew Miller. Yeah, he was supposed to be his do over year. He he theoretically made out like a bandit there, and then did he? Because I don't think Clayton back right away. He wasn't exactly sure. And that contract stunk. And Clint Frazier is where? Where's Clint Frazier? Who? <laughs> Who? I think he's asking that too. Um, uh, Boone, I could see going. I think Cashman ends up staying. I think or, if Cashman stays, there's no way Boone leaves. Boone's his boy. Oh boy, sorry Yankee fans. I'm not actually. <laughs> I'm, I'm not, not. I'm not at all. Fuck you. I'm you not. deserve to be humbled a little bit. They, they'll they, uh, they'll find a way to be good next year. Will they? They will. Are you sure? What money's coming off the books, Ryan? Nothing's coming off the books. So, the, what money are they going to spend, Ryan? Uh, I, oh, I don't know. They're gonna have to. They're gonna have to really find out like how to raise it or like high and bloom it is what they're calling it in Boston, <laughs> uh, where you just pick up garbage and turn it into gold. Listen, I remember rooting for a really poor baseball team, and I gotta tell you, it stunk. Can Todd Frazier still play baseball? I bet you that's a question we hear he, from Yankee fans this winter. He can still commentate on baseball, supposedly. I see uh, what's him he doing? Little League World Series. I see him uh, doing stuff. He's narrating he's, things. Yeah, he's doing things. Getting the, getting them jobs, Todd. Did you see that uh, Taiwanese pitcher threw 82 again today? No. Oh, yeah. That 110-mile-an-hour equivalent from the Major League Mount. Oh, excuse me? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this little 12-year-old, in air quotes, um, watch out, Wander, is pitching really well in the Little League Baseball World Series. 112? <laughs> uh, oh, my God. There was, I was tuning in. I fucking eat this shit up. I, I, Little League World Series, they got to let me bet on it. Come on now. But I was you can't watching. Bet on the children, Greg. <laughs> I can. Why the fuck not? I'm trying to reinvigorate the economy here. Um, but there, the Carl Ravage. Um, there is a girl playing for. Oh, I want to say Fargo, North Dakota. I think I could have it wrong. I know she. She's on a team. That's all. That's important. And Carl Ravage asked the question: Is Monet Davis the biggest storyline? to ever come out of the little league world series and nobody had the balls in the broadcast booth to do this, but how no one said, I don't know. Danny Almonte is beyond me. Uh, what's the Danny Almonte story again? Uh, the 16 year old who played in the little league world series for the Bronx. There you go. That's (laughs) yeah. That one works just so everyone. Uh, yeah, that's the one that is the one. They're like, wow, Danny Almonte, he pitched three games. He hasn't given up a hit. This is incredible. And three day goes by and he's like, oh, we checked his driver's license. He probably shouldn't be here. He's 16. I fucking love Danny Almonte. God bless him, man. Um, any other Ranger thoughts for the week before we go to our guests and we can come back and do some five stars? Um, no. Yeah. That's that's it, man. I, I, I have to be honest. It was nice to just chat about players. For like a couple minutes. It's been like it's been a few uh, months. Imagine you actually read my posts on the 25 under 25. I mean, I might now. I won't. But I might. I had a I whole won't. section. I had a whole interesting section about three depth. You, in about 10 minutes here when we go to the interview, take a shit on the Rangers not having depth defensemen. Sir, I got to tell you, you're wrong. Rangers, uh, not only do you have Zach Jones in your seventh D. Matthew Robertson. Matthew Robertson, who I took a lot of pot shots at you uh, when writing about Matthew Robertson. But Matthew Robertson, Mac Hollowell, and Ty Emerson are all three viable depth defensemen the New York Rangers will have in Hartford next year. Look at you doing actual research. I'm so You know we got Ty Emerson for Patrick Nemeth? I completely forgot the Rangers got a player back for Nemeth. 
I completely I try and block the Patrick Nemeth experience out of my brain every single day of my life. Watching Patrick Nemeth give up goals against the Pittsburgh Penguins in that bar with you is a core memory, and I hate that it is. <laughs> I I was writing the piece, and I went in there and typed in NCAA free agent signing from Wisconsin because I, that I just all I remembered about Ty Emerson is guy who played with Keandre Miller in college. So I put that in the piece, and then I thought, all right, let me just make sure I got this signing thing correct. And I go in there, and it says Pat, uh, Ty Emerson was acquired for Patrick Nemeth and a second-round pick. And I was like, oh, oh, we got a player back for Patrick Nemeth? And he wow. might be okay? Wow. You know, he, won, he, he won the Eastern Conference Defensive Defenseman of the Year in Hartford last year. I love the term defensive defenseman. Like, hey, he does, <laughs> he does it all. It's like, can we get an offensive offenseman? Yeah. Well, also, why do, we, ever... why do we call them forwards and not offensemen? Is it offensive? To call them offensive offensemen? I just think offensemen has a nice ring to it. I think He's an offensive offenseman. Yeah. Why aren't we calling them offensemen? But if he was snarly, he'd be an offensive offensive offenseman? He'd be an enforcer offenseman. Mm. He'd be offending offenseman. He's an offending R- offensive offensive offenseman. <laughs> August! August! <laughs> All right, we'll be back with our dear friend Lance. Lysowski. The fuck name just came out of my mouth? Lysowski. And uh, we'll be back then. Transition. Hey, we're back with our first guest of the day. We have Lance Lykowski. He's a reporter for the Fucked Buffalo it up News. Already. That Fuck, was did I seriously? <laughs> Lysowski. <laughs> there you go. He just told me just his break price. Just it down. It's three segments. Lysowski. Lysowski. Yeah, yeah, when you say it you like that, it. it's really easy to do. There you go. There you <laughs> well, go. You teach me like I'm four years old. I was, I was a trip. I was going to correct you or not. So oh, hey, oh, that's, nice that job. is why I'm, I'm here to – I get the big bucks doing that. There, All there my you guests go. have to help me speak because I'm a professional speaker for my life. Uh, we brought you on in the deep days of August, as camp has not started yet, to talk about not the Buffalo Sabres, but people who have left the Buffalo Sabres organizations. You may or may not have heard, but the Rangers changed their entire coaching staff this offseason, and part of that was getting all new assistant coaches, one being uh, Michael Pekka and one being Howley, who was from Buffalo as well. Not doing great on the name front. Housley. Housley. Phil I'm sorry. Housley. I, full, full, uh, full disclosure, Ryan is very sick and is making the best of this moment um, to try and bring you the entertainment you do every single week. Let's start with Pekka. Uh, yes. I, I've heard nothing but great things about his time in, in the Chester is what I'm calling Rochester Roger, these days. Yeah, Rochester. Yeah, I, call, I call it the Chester <laughs> case you're wondering. Um, uh, can you talk about his time there and, and sort of like what his mentality is that he brings to a team? Of course. No, so... He, it, it's a home run hire, in my opinion, for the Rangers. It makes a ton of sense. And you look at their coaching staff, just in general, all the people that they brought in this offseason, development is the theme. We all know you guys probably talk about it every week on your podcast, how important development is to that group uh, in every stage. And when it comes to the forwards, you look at Michael Pekka's track record since joining the Sabres organization, um, mostly running the power play in Rochester and working with the forwards. You look at Jack Quinn, um, JJ Paterka, Yuri Kulik, Isak Rosean. I could keep going down the list of how not only has he found a way to get those guys to take the next step in their offensive game at five on five, but Pekka 
just given his background, the type of player he was, Selkie Trophy winner, so defensively responsible, he's really found a way to get young guys to buy in on how to play the right way. And that's not easy, especially when you're talking about young European players, when it Paterka and Kulik, who admittedly hate playing defense. They just want the puck. They want to put the puck in the net. So you need somebody who's going to be able to convey that message to get guys to buy in. And he has done it every way possible. And I'm in, you know, the, the top guys get all the attention, those prospects I just listed. But if you go down, I mean, every forward who's come through Rochester the last two years, essentially um, has taken steps in their game, AHL contract guys, NHL contract guys, their power play has been among the, one of, among the best in the, the American league the last couple of years. Yeah, I mean, I can keep going down the list of what he would bring if you guys want to narrow down a, a few questions. But generally, yeah, um, I thought the Sabres would um, find any way to get him on their NHL staff. And the fact that they didn't, I, I wonder if they're going to regret that one. So one of the things I like about Pekka, um, and it, I, I think it sometimes gets overlooked. It's very easy. I, I personally don't... I don't love hiring a former player just for the sake of hiring a former player. I think there has to be meat and potatoes behind it. There has to be a clear plan from the person. It's not like you can just bring in a former 60-point player and all of a sudden they're going to be able to translate that message to everyone. And while we're talking about the kids, I mean, obviously this is a big year for Kako, for Lafreniere, you name it. But more importantly... Michael Peck is going to be able to look Mika Zibanejad in the eyes and be like, you know, buddy, yeah. I've done quite a bit in this league, so maybe you should listen to me too. Yeah, he's got he's he's got that that swagger about him, that presence. He very much carries himself like a guy who's played in the league. He carries himself like a guy who still plays in the league. He is as confident as ever, and he's not afraid to challenge guys. And I'm not talking about just the young guys; it's the older guys on the roster too. So. And you think back, I know that he doesn't have a ton of coaching experience. Um, coached a little bit of junior in Buffalo, you know, several years ago. He's coached kids. But then during the pandemic season, he went to D.C. and worked with LaViolette and, and with the Capitals and ran their taxi squad and put those guys through a bunch of skill workouts like McMichael, you know, their prospect guys. And that's really what earned him the the look with the Sabres. You know, it's it's every way, man. Like I. It's it's hard to really describe how you know how big of strides guys like Jack Quinn and JJ Paterka and Yuri Kulik have had under his watch in Rochester. And some of that, of course, is, is Seth Appert. I don't want to take any credit away from the head coach there, but Pekka, the way it's message, it's it's everything. Um, and just you hear the way the guys talk about him, um, that respect. That's something that just comes through through a coach earning it, you know, because um, you can. You know, you can have a good coach who gets his message across, but it's not always the case where guys respect them, you know, to the, the degree that you have with people like like Michael Pekka. Is there, like, any particular – I know this is sort of a, a pointed question. Is there, like, a particular story that sticks out to you that he, he might have, like, said something to a certain player or put a player in a certain position or even just, like, a like, I don't know, made a joke in a weird way? Yeah. Uh, no, like, all sticks out? No, no, that's a, that's a good way to put it. So, J.J. Paterka, second-round pick of the Sabres in 2020 – off the top of my head, North Lash, what, the 2022-23 season, or no, 21-22 was his first in North America, goes right to Rochester, teenager, kid's highly skilled, but he hates playing defense. And Pekka, 
the way that he framed it with Paterka is like, dude, like your legs are your money makers. They are going to make you millions of dollars as long as you use them to do more than just just carry the puck. You got to back check. <laughs> and delivering that message to that kid and knowing that that's the way it's going to resonate with him, Paterka picked it up immediately. And to see the strides that Kulik is very similar who the Sabres picked in the first round in 2022, but the strides he took defensively, and you saw it in the playoffs two springs ago with Paterka, he had 12 points in 10 games. And at that time of year against teams like Utica, you know, Syracuse, those big physical American League teams that have a lot of those veteran guys, for a player like that to show a well-rounded game and to earn a spot in the NHL that quickly – it's one of those situations where guys like you, you think about the Capitals, they've really tried to get guys like McMichael and Hendricks LaPierre into the NHL the last couple of years. It they just haven't been ready. Their their AHL staff, their development staff hasn't gotten those guys haven't gotten those guys to the point where they can not only play in the NHL, you know, but survive and thrive in the NHL. And that's really what Pekka was able to do with Paterka and Quinn to, to that extent as well, because Quinn's a guy who you know, came in, people thought he was a one trick. He's got a great shot. Is he going to be able to actually create space at five on five? Is he just a power play guy? But that's another one where it's all about how you deliver the message. And, and I think that you, you saw that buy-in from Quinn and he comes out and has a sort of a historic year for a rookie. And then Kulik comes out and as a 19, 18 year old, he scored 23 goals in the regular season and, and had that same progression to where he's a huge contributor in the playoffs. Like, you look up and down Rochester's roster, how many young guys, you look at the points they put up in the postseason. Lukash Rusek is another one. Like, man, like that, it's just, it's uncommon to see young players have success at that time of year. And Pekka's teaching on the defensive side of things is a big reason why. You mentioned him running the power play in Rochester. Uh, I would say for the past two years, the Rangers' power play can boil down to essentially Artemi Panarin and Adam Fox looking for an open Mika Zibanejad in the left slot. And I got news for you. It more often than not works. However, it's starting to get to the point where teams are leaning a little heavy towards the left circle with Mika Zibanejad. So what could a Ranger fan necessarily expect from power play mentality with Michael Pekka? Movement, unpredictable, um, not staying stationary. If you're just staying in the same spots... Teams are smart. They've got the pre-scout. You you guys just mentioned it. We see it across the league. And, you know, even some of the more prolific power plays, they, they hit that spot. And the thing with the Rangers, I think that a lot of that, in my opinion, you're going to have to – you need to have two good units, first of all. That first unit's going to figure it out with the talent that they have. It's not going to take much, in my opinion. It's a second unit with, all, with the younger guys who are going to need to be integrated in. That's where you're going to get a coach like him – the growth that you're seeing at five on five, which I think you're really going to see, not only with the with the Pekka high or the Muse high, or, like they brought in a really good coaching staff. You know, I know that I even rolled my, rolled my eyes with the head coach hire, but the staff that they brought in with Laviolette is what kind of sold me on the plan that they have here. And yeah, it, it, it's going to be movement. It's going to be deception. Are you going to reinvent the wheel? No, but you have to, to understand that you're going to have to mix it up low high. There's different things that you can do with puck movement to play it to your strengths. And you saw it night in and night out in Rochester, because like down there, it's a good example because you had two, you had a couple of really good shooters the last few years, whether it be Paterka, Quinn, Kulik, Roseanne, where you had to move them around. You also needed to, to create chaos guys in front of the net. You need to have shots in the point, you know, low to high passes. Like there's just a lot of things, but it's going to, it's also going to be an adjustment. Cause let's not, 
I'm not going to sit here and act like power penalty kills in the American Hockey League are as good as, as those in the NHL, especially how aggressive the, the NHL PKs go. But they're going to have a solution there. I, I really, you know, I, I think that develop, it's just going to have to come through development, in my opinion. Well, you've mentioned the development word a couple of times. And like you said, we that's obviously a theme. That's the theme of their coaching staff, right? You look it, at the type it, of people it, they brought It in. is, but yeah, I think you're going to laugh at this next part. So oh. <laughs> last year we had a coach, um, you know, as teams do. And in that time, there wasn't really a lot of practicing going on, but practice just wasn't really an option. Uh, <laughs> you know, they were very short and they were kind of like cut, you know, wasn't really told. There was no direction. Can you talk a little bit about like how practice, like I know Danny Hughes has runs a, a hell of a weird practice and a lot of like unique drills. Yeah. Does Pekka do something similar? Yeah. I mean, Pekka, the practices you're going to, they clearly brought in Muse and I mean, Pekka, the practices that they ran in Rochester were the, the development program because of South Appert. So you're going to see a lot of the same stuff, small area games, using the whole sheet. They're, they're going to be practicing harder. Uh, I, I'm sure that those guys know it at this point. They're not going to get away with having, casual practices off days you know especially with the way that that team played the last couple months of the season i was shocked watching the rangers in april um you know those two losses to the sabers in a couple of weeks just how the lack of confidence they just look you could just tell that this team's done soon they hated their coach (laughs) yeah and a lot of and a lot of guys do hate that coach it's it's well known it's it's well known throughout the league that hard-ass mentality it it can work with a different with a certain type of roster, and it might have resonated with some guys. But when your scoring depth and your ability to really to really separate yourself from a crowded field in the Eastern Conference is going to be dictated by how you bring along those young guys. You know, look at the salary cap; they they have a lot of guys who are taking up a lot of room. You're going to have to fill out the rest of your roster, and development's a big key. And Gallant doesn't know a damn thing about development, and Shit, I think Laviolette has rec- recognized that he needs bringing people around him who do. And I mean, the Rangers have an owner who's not afraid to throw a lot of money at the problem, which they cl- clearly did with the hires that they made. That brings us to Phil Housley. Um, oh, yeah. it, it's been long enough where I think people forget. I don't know if it was the first shot across the bow, but it was one of the first <laughs> shots across the bow in the very early fracturing of the Jack Eichel relationship. With the Sabres, because Jack, if you can correct me if I'm wrong, Lance, you're the expert. Jack loved playing for Phil Housley. And um, then, no. Well, that, that's my version of the event. He hated no. him? Like, what was it? I thought no, they liked each other. I think I think a lot of people liked Phil Housley just in the same that they liked Ralph Kruger. Phil, and Phil understood, I got to build relationships with the, I mean, he's your, the face of your franchise. I don't think it was ever the relationship. I think that so many guys in that locker room turned on Phil Housley because, he ran a man-to-man defense, and they had some of the worst personnel in the NHL, and he refused to deviate from it. There was no adjustments, and a lot of what Phil Housley had to do in Buffalo was just cleaning up crap off the ice. You know, Evander Kane, making sure that he didn't skip curfew, which he did quite a few times um, late in his time in Buffalo. You know, you know, who do you listen to? Do you re- listen to the, the the concerns that you know, like somebody like Ryan O'Reilly expresses? You had O'Reilly get upset. You had a lot of guys on that team who weren't practicing properly, including Jack Eichel, who was a terrible. He had terrible practice habits in Buffalo. Terrible practice habits, and a lot of that was coaches who learned we got to cater to this guy because Jack was partially responsible for Dan Bylsma getting his job <laughs> taken away from him. So I think a lot of it ended up just. In, Enabling is, is a good way to put it. Um, but I do think that Phil Housley left Buffalo knowing what went wrong 
how to fix it and how to be a better coach in different situations. Like to me, guys, like I watched that Rangers blue line and aside from Fox, the last couple weeks of the season, like Keandre Miller was playing with zero confidence. He couldn't handle the puck. He couldn't break the puck out of his own zone. A guy that talented, there's no excuse for it. And Phil Housley, for his faults as a head coach, um, particularly the stubbornness, the unwillingness to change a system and probably bench players as GM didn't want benched. Really, it was all about, okay, giving your defenseman the confidence to play the position the way it needs to be played in the year 2023. Like, the fan base in Buffalo craps all over Phil Housley, but they tend to forget that it was Phil Housley who brought out quite a bit from Rasmus Dahlin when Dahlin was 18 years old. Dahlin was really good as a rookie under Phil Housley because Phil knew how to coach a player with that skill set. Your modern-day defenseman, Phil, knew how to deliver the message, and he knew how to inspire confidence, whereas a coach, you know, Ralph Kruger, Gerard Gallant, take away confidence from their players with their actions. So that is a big key. And you look at Phil, the coaching job he did, you know, before Buffalo, he coached the, the blue line in Nashville when, when they made it to the cup final. Like, he's he's a really good D coach. Um, I just wouldn't. I wouldn't allow him to install a man-to-man defense on my team. That's all. That might not be what they're trying to do because I think you kind of mentioned it. We can't pass out of our zone. No, Except you can't. for Adam Fox. There's nobody yeah. else. It's, and there's no excuse because for the talent you have, like the Rangers have defensemen who are more than capable of moving the puck out, although Mikola was a disaster. I don't I don't know who scouted that guy and thought that he was going to be an answer for he, them. He got a contract, uh, so. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> here's, the, here's the thing, Lance. Uh, Gerard People Gallant, keep making we, mistakes. We, well, we keep pooping on Gerard Gallant. Let's take another big shit on him right here for a second. Uh, I don't know if you've realized Gerard Gallant likes one thing from his third pair, and it's boringness and big boys he loves ben harper (laughs) it's okay to have guys like that they got to be able to handle the puck like even radko gugudis can can handle the puck and get it out of his own it's just the way the game is played nowadays um you have to and it's not just your defensemen and coaching them the right way how are you breaking the puck out what's your how is your system putting your defensemen in a position to succeed because Gallant, it looked like a lot of times forwards were cheating, forwards were out of position. There was no help for the defensemen. They were kind of on an island in a team that's fast. I mean, I watched I watched them quite a bit on the stretch because I was curious to see how they were going to, you know, I, I was watching for Patrick Kane mostly, but I was curious just to see how they were going to, to get to the finish line of the regular season. I was shocked by how bad that they looked. Breakouts. D-zone coverage, um, oh, just guys they, who are lost. They got Patrick Kane, and then they were like, okay, this isn't working on the power play. What do we do? Yeah. Uh, nothing. Yeah. Nothing. Yeah, yeah, that was the answer. It was Square no pay, ground hole. Um, yeah. No, it, again, like, Phil like, in, did a pretty good job in Arizona, too. Um, <laughs> a pretty bad situation. Some of those defensemen actually played pretty well. So, Another good hire. We'll we'll see. Like he was well liked in Buffalo. Um, I think that stubbornness and one of the he made one of the the classic mistakes any coach can is is calling your team soft even when they deserve it. <laughs> and that group deserved it. But as soon as Phil said that to the media, that's what sort of got wheels in motion to him losing that job. He should think he, that's a mistake. Like just in general, I'm I'm actually surprised to hear you say that. Um, in what sense? Like, that, I guess it's like a kiss of death no matter what? It depends on – so here's an example. I think it all – it depends on timing. It depends on the group that you had. His group was fragile. They were. They were a fragile group led by a, 
a guy who was not ready to be a captain of an NHL team. So you have to know they're not going to respond well to this messaging. They're not. Whereas I think in Winnipeg, if Bonus says that to an older team, you say it once, you can get you can light a fire up somebody's ass. You say it twice, you're done. In that case, I, it, it's case by case basis. But in Buffalo. With the players that they had, the situation, how bad things were going the second half of the 2018-19 season, as soon as he sat in the press conference, he left the room. Everybody kind of just looked at each other like, yeah, that's that's probably that's probably the nail right there. Um, he almost survived, and honestly, I would have kept him for another year, but you know, the owners allowed um, fan unrest to sort of guide that decision, and then they made a terrible hire. So, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Maybe maybe signing the Southampton football executive yeah. wasn't the right thing to do. Yeah, Listen, I'm I, a Southampton fan. I could have told you he sucked. Like, <laughs> I, 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 I could have nipped that in the butt for you immediately. All it took was one phone call from me to somebody at the Guardian newspaper who had covered Southampton for me to learn. Oh, yeah, that's not this isn't going to work out very well. Yeah, no, he, <laughs> he was the first call. Cal- you were like, this is over. <laughs> you, Oh, came, I, I he, called. I called. The, I called one reporter who knew him well, covering him in covering who covers the English Premier League, and he told me right away the guy they wouldn't even let him at press conference. Like they told him to stay away. He's been water skiing for the last two years. No one's seen him. <laughs> they call him in to do press conferences. Like that. Well, he, that's it. He so. came in after the golden generation. He followed the the graduation of the Ward Prouses, the Lalanas. Uh, we're not getting down a soccer rabbit hole here. Anyway, he stinks. I could have told Let's you that. Let's do it. <laughs> um, but I, I'm curious, Lance. Yeah, from, he knows how to defeat. He knows how to coach. He, <laughs> go ahead. Yeah, you're good. Well, I, was just, I was just saying, I'm curious from your perspective as an outsider, uh, looking at the New York Rangers, your perspective of everything they've done this summer, everything they're about to do this season, what is the Buffalo-sized view of the New York Rangers heading into the upcoming season. Did you guys buy a bill, you know, rent a billboard in San Jose or Pittsburgh year. for Nick Benino? No, no Nick Benino billboards? No. Oh. No, because he made, he made his decision early. Why would we need one? <laughs> I mean, I still think the Rangers have a good team. Did they make a mistake by giving Trocheck that contract? Yes, they, they certainly did. But they're still in a good spot. Like you still have Kako. You, you still have some really good young talented players. Lafreniere is still talented. You know, he's still 21 years old and he's been, his development's been mishandled so poorly by the last couple of coaches that, you know, dude, I, I just, I have a hard time blaming the player right now. If, if it continues to go that way with the people that they've surrounded him with and the supporting cast that they've developed, my opinion's going to change, but you still have an elite goalie. Quick was a smart signing as a backup. Third pair is still going to be a problem. <laughs> but, um, you know, I don't know what the D depth is going to be like behind that third pair either. But, I mean, overall, Ben Harper, man, baby. That's the answer. Ben Harper. But you look at the Metro. Like, how much can you really expect? that? Like, Capitals, after what they've lost, like, what are they doing? You know, minus. well, we can talk about the East in general. It's yeah. I, I think Pittsburgh is like one injury away from being a devastating yeah. season. They they completely fumbled the bag on the goaltending. To give often injured Tristan Jari a five year deal out of desperation is so foolish. Um, but that's a move that a GM makes when he knows he has a seven year contract. <laughs> like I'll do his nose. I'm not getting fired anytime soon. If I screwed this up, well, I'll get another kick at the can. It's fine. Who else am I going to get? I don't. I can't get Hellebuck. I can't get anybody who's a true upgrade. But, I mean, Pittsburgh, 
bottom six is still okay, but they're still too slow. They're, they're a slow team. Ryan Graves was too slow to play for the Devils, and what, they think he's going to be f- faster with the Penguins on a team that plays a slower style? No. Like, you still have Jeff Carter, slow. It, you know, Lars Eller, slow. Like, it's a team that isn't built to win in 2023. It would have been great in 2017, but I'm sorry. Like, I still think there's way, way too many cracks there. Um, you know, I, I would still put the Islanders above the Penguins. I, I still would. I think I do, too. I think we can... For the first time, agree that the I think this is the first year, maybe six, seven years. That I, I think the East has gotten weaker significantly. It de- yeah, it depends, and I think that you're. I think that that's probably the perception because people are going to think, well, Tampa's going to take a step back because they've lost some depth. Um, Pittsburgh naturally older. De- you know, Washington's lost some. Boston will still be good, but they lost two key players. That's true, but it. I have a. Tr- I have trouble thinking Boston is dead until we actually see it. You know, a year, a year. I, I want to just I, that's clear I just think they're going to be downgrade from last year which yeah, was the greatest right yeah ever, so. I still don't know if they're done they've got to have something up their sleeve just the timing everything but you think about it Carolina's still really good that's still a really good team I, Columbus is going to be a much better version of themselves with when healthy with well we'll see how the coach goes there that's going to be an interesting one to follow I love the Devils their roster goaltending's Clearly, the the big question mark there. The Atlantic's fascinating. Um, Canadians still no. Um, Toronto, we'll see. They'll be tougher, but are they going to be better? I, that's that's up for debate. I still think Ottawa's blue blue line is not good enough. So the big step is Buffalo going to take that step? You know, are they going to be healthy enough? Is their goaltending going to be good enough? Is Detroit Detroit just keeps signing every defenseman available or acquiring guys like Jeff Petrie and blocking their prospects? So, I mean, if they want to be slow on the back end instead of giving somebody like, you know, who they have in, in the AHL, they got Edmondson, they got Willunder, like they got young guys. They just want to give them an opportunity yet. And we'll see if that pays off. But I, I still, again, I, I don't know if they're going to be good enough. I, I saw T, I saw Detroit last year just play with zero structure. They they looked lost a lot of the times I saw them play. If Florida this, will recover. Florida, Florida's got Bill Zito proved to to me last over the past eighteen months that he knows how to to build depth after losing some key guys like Duclair. That's a loss, but they'll they'll still be good. Buffalo, you mentioned them. You might cover them occasionally. Um, <laughs> is this the year? Like, where are we on the timeline? If they don't make the playoffs this year, are they still on pace? Obviously, last year was a big step forward, competitive until the last day of the season, just about. Is this a we need to make the playoffs to prove we're moving in the right direction, or do they still have another year before they're like, all right, come on, we got to get moving here? They still feel that this is just the beginning of their window opening, a window that based on all the prospect depth, all the draft picks, all the young, all the young players on their NHL roster, most of whom have received contract extensions, or at least the ones that are prominent, are, are they're not close to their primes. Like a lot of these guys are 23, some of them haven't reached the NHL yet. They think that future ca- salary cappers projections development, what they're going to have, they still think this is just the beginning of it. That being said, I think there needs you still haven't made the playoffs in 11 years. There has to be urgency. And the fact that they went out and didn't get a legitimate goaltender, they're going into the season with... I, I love what I saw from Devin Levi, but he's only 21 years old. You're putting a lot of pressure on on a rookie with only seven games of NHL, well, pro experience. Luke and they're sort of crowning him, right? Like That, that feels yeah, like a feeling across all of Buffalo Twitter. Uh, well, and you... 
you got to think about how long they've waited for a goalie to inspire any sort of hope <laughs> in this fan base. It's been nine years since Ryan Miller was traded. They've been looking for a replacement ever since. And they almost had one, potentially, with Linus Allmark, and he went and he reached his potential in a div- with a divisional opponent. So they desperately want Devin Levi to be the guy. I think he's going to be a very good NHL goalie is it going to be this year is he going to be you know we'll see how it goes you know there's only so much you can gain from experience like you you need to experience everything he hasn't seen a lot in the NHL yet you need to experience the ups and downs how is he going to handle losing streak how is he going to handle the the certain challenges that come throughout an 82 game season Lukanen's been really inconsistent this is his last really his last you know, his last opportunity to to show that he's going to be an answer here for Buffalo. If he doesn't work, they're going to go out and get somebody like Thatcher Demko. I'm sure they would have loved to go out and get somebody this summer. They just didn't They didn't want to pay the price to, to go get somebody like a Connor Hellebuck on a one-year contract, um, which really shows the importance of development. But, yeah, they need to stay healthy. Um, like when Tage Thompson went down with an injury you know, late in the season, you saw how, how much that hurt them um, down the middle, although Middlestad played well. They're still waiting for Kulik. Is he going to be ready to take a step? Jack Quinn is out until late December because of a, an Achilles injury, or at least late December probably. So st- still some development there. You know, like Zach Benson, who they just drafted, you know, in in the first round, he's not going to be in the NHL for a few years. Matt Savoy, who they drafted ninth overall last year, is probably not going to be in the league this year. So they got some time, man, but you can't preach patience or, or ask for patience from a fan base that's been waiting for an 11 years. You know They're going to stop going to the rink, and then if they stop going to the rink, uh, is the owner going to still want to pay to the cap ceiling? Probably not, not when he has to fund a football stadium. I, I got to ask. Yeah. Did Blue Shirts Breakaway LLC drop no. the ball <laughs> by not putting up a billboard that said lifting a Stanley Cup cures a pain in the neck? <laughs> Would we have been on a, on a level of uh, if you guys wanted to be villains? Yeah, you thought that you were villains last time. If you would have put the day after Vegas or the week the week after Vegas winning, if you would have rented out a billboard with Jack Eichel on it in downtown Buffalo, yeah, you guys would have gotten a lot of attention. Well, well look, I, this is a serious question, and not be being an asshole. Was anybody happy for Jack? Not many. No, got it. Not many got people, it. which isn't fair. Um. And I know that I I made a few negative comments about Jack um, earlier in the podcast, but that you can't question how much like he put into it. Like he tried, he wanted to win here, and they just kept firing people. Like the own the owner just impatience, listening to the wrong people. Uh, the general managers, Tim Murray first, then Jason Botterill, made some bad moves that made it really difficult to build a winner around Jack, and he lost patience. He should have been patient a little bit longer, but hey, maybe that's on the Sabres for not communicating their plan to him properly. Because, um, but I also have to give Kevin Adams credit. You know, like a GM in that situation having to wait that long to trade an injured player and to still get Alex Tuck, Peyton Krebs, first round pick and a second round pick. Not, not not bad, especially with how Tuck – I mean, Tuck is – I don't know how much you guys watched the Sabres last year, and I'm not saying this because I covered the team, but Alex Tuck is – man, he is a player. Like, he's – I am surprised that no one tried to pry him out of Vegas, or maybe people did um, before Buffalo did because he is 
that big, fast power forward that everybody is going to be looking for after watching Kachuk in the playoffs. Well, Lance, I, we've hit our time. And I can't thank you enough for letting me mispronounce your name at the beginning of this. It's okay, guys. I'll always <laughs> just, come on because <laughs> because that one weird summer day when I had to call you about a stupid billboard that you just <laughs> insisted on <laughs> insisted on renting on a week that I was working. So I think, appreciate it. You think people still think about that billboard? They still annoy uh, it? You'll still hear it come up in conversation, I'm sure. A lot of people will probably remember it. You guys did it like at a perfect time when there was nothing going on in the summer yeah. in Buffalo, so it, it became a talking point. I mean, partially I, uh, because I had to write a damn story about <laughs> it. I, uh, I meant to tell you when we started recording, I was in I I was in Rochester for work the other day. Rochester. I love uh, Rochester, by the way. I'm not sure how much oh, you actually great. saw we went to the We went to the Genesee Brewery for lunch. Oh, there you wonderful. go. Yeah. Um, but I was regaling about the billboard to two of my coworkers that didn't know about it. And there was a father and son combo sitting at the table behind us wearing all Bill's gear because I think they were either coming to or going to uh, Bill's training camp later oh, that day. It was one of, the, one of the last two open to the public uh, practices. So it was a bunch of Bill's fans getting their lunch. And I, I, I finished telling the story. My coworkers start laughing. The dad gets up, looks me dead in the eyes, and goes, so it was you. And I was like, uh, yeah. <laughs> yes, it was. Uh, please leave me alone. I would like to not die today. <laughs> the, suddenly, a whole group circled you. Yeah, and then, and then I was like, Josh Allen stinks, and ran out the building. <laughs> Get him. <laughs> Lance, can't thank you enough. Why don't you go and plug what you do, Buffalo News, uh, or anything else? Thanks, guys. I appreciate it. No, you can find my work on the Buffalo News. I'm currently on vacation. I get back to work next week um, for the stretch. I won't, yeah. So, uh, enjoying the rest of that. But, yeah, you can find my work on the Buffalo News on Twitter. I am L-L-Y-S-O-W-S-K-I, although I barely use that because I've on, been on vacation, too. But took a break for you guys because um, always thank fun you, chatting with you. Appreciate it. Oh, you can all go follow Lance. We'll talk to him soon. Thanks, Lance. Thanks, guys. Hey, feel better, man. Thanks, buddy. All right, we're back. Thanks to oh, Lance. Shit, we're recording. Yeah, you can leave that in. <laughs> all right. I was I was looking at my fantasy draft and really for basketball? not liking it. No, basketball. Yeah. Who cares about basketball? Oh, sorry. for. Uh, I won that league. Nice. I know. I really – I legitimately thought no one took Nick Claxton for three rounds. I know. <laughs> I had to drop him. Very That's fine. And then you – I just – it, I was having this conversation with Bear the other day. Let's go in the weeds here. We got time to fill. Yeah, five times. It's really second. funny. If you offered, I mean, you offered Nick Claxton up to people. No one gave you shit. And then I, he goes eighth overall in our draft. Could you imagine ever trading a first round pick for Nick Claxton? In a no, dude, I league? actually messaged people individually and I said, I will give you Nick Claxton for a fourth or a fifth right now. <laughs> and wow. no way, way to message me, bro. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, working with you, didn't really want to do it. <laughs> <laughs> But I messaged other people. I was like, hey, does anybody want this guy? I'm like begging people. I'm going to drop him. Nobody said anything. Very weird. And then Mike used the first round pick on him. Picked in the first round. Very cool. Makes you think. Uh, five-star question. You want to leave a five-star question on the show? You can go to our Discord, which is through our Patreon. That's how you support the show. Leave it on the five-star Discord. Five-star hey, what else is on channel. Patreon this week, Ryan? You're 25. Under 25. That's right. Damn right. Uh, it's for Jets Rangers. Oh, no, let's do my dog farts first. Okay. What would your ideal lineup be for opening night? Forwards and D pairs. It's kind of fun. I think it's pretty standard, though, to be honest. Yeah. It might, might be boring. I mean, uh, Lafreniere's second-line wing, and yep. if that happens... Let's, let, let's assume he's second-line wing. So the top line is uh, Kreider, Kreider, it's Kreider, Kreider Mika, Mika, Kako, Kako. and yep. then Panarin, Trocek, 
I would oh. say Heedle, Lafreniere. Okay. I like it. That's fine. I'll do that. And then you get VC, um, Trocheck, Wheeler. Wheeler. Yep. And then probably Pitlick, Goodrow. Goodrow, and Bonino. Yep. In some way, shape, or form. Yep. And then D pairs. Yeah, we interesting interesting conversation in the um, insider chat today where I don't. I'm not. Do you think the New York Rangers are better putting Miller with Fox or separating the two to maximize the amount of time on ice at least one of them is on the ice? I don't know. I Did the Rangers do anything like this? Sort of ever? So, ideally, I like them separated to start a game. I think it's beneficial to have 80% of your hockey game with one of Fox and Miller on the ice. I uh, think but Fox I Miller wish, is optimal, but they're I not going to do I, it. I wish when things were going sideways quicker that the Rangers would go, all right, Miller-Fox time. We are going to st- put these two guys out there together. We're going to get this team back in the game. We're going to play them both 25 minutes tonight. Get your shit together. Go through these guys. I wish they did that more, but I don't – think i like the idea of starting games with fox and miller together i'd rather space them out i think that's fair i I wish there was like a a, an emergency button like situational okay we're down a goal fox miller comes back or it's the end of the game fox miller comes back and that's kind of it well once upon a time we got really frustrated with this when quinn would wait until desperate times to put tony d'angelo with adam fox always and the but the difference with that is I didn't see the benefit of spreading Fox and D'Angelo out. If anything, D'Angelo's game would have been more effective had he played with someone that could cover up for his mistakes. Whereas Miller and Fox, I think, are so good independent of each other that I want them on the ice without each other because I feel like I have a better shot of creating opportunities if they are in, instead of one defensive pair, two separate pairs. But when things go poorly and the Rangers shorten the lineup, and they're cutting third-pair minutes, well, then feed Fox and Miller, number one, and let Lindgren Truba, who have been a really effective pair together in an extremely small sample size, let them be your second pair, and then just roll two defensive pairs when you're trying to get back into the game. This next question is not really a question. It's okay. more Jets Rangers telling us that he's old school. Oh, right. It's Jets Rangers, I'm very old school. That's what it says. <laughs> uh, Great. Who wants no- the next one? Number number retirement has become so cheap and see the Yankees should only be for the absolute best of the best. Seems like now is now a player can be very good for played for a long time. If no cup, they've not they have to be extra extra special otherwise. IMO no current ranger qualifies for that yet, so Kreider would need a cup. I think Kreider is it's it's rare to do what Kreider's doing for a team today. I think very there's, rare. That I is special. There, I think there's a middle ground here where the Yankees retire anybody's number. Like, I'm sorry. Yeah, they do. Uh, they do. I, I don't think guys like Ron Guidry need their number retired. They just don't. Paul O'Neill doesn't need his number retired. Paul was great, won a lot of titles, not a retired number guy. Sure. The Mets don't need to retire Ron Darling's number. Um, but I, I I disagree with the you need to win a cup to get your number retired mantra. Because in essence, number retirements, they're not – like they, they're for the player, but they're more for the fans. They're for if, the fans. If Chris Kreider spends 16 years with the New York Rangers, spanning two different generation of Ranger fans, where fathers, sons, mothers, daughters can go to MSG 
and see one of their all-time favorite Ranger players' numbers in the rafters. I don't think it matters. And especially, his name's going to be all over the record book and at the top of some important lists when all things are said and done. Like, I I expect I expect Jake with the Grom to have his number retired by the Mets. David Wright will have his number retired by the Mets. And if Pete Alonso signs another contract with the Mets, he's going to have his number retired by the Mets. Those things are going to happen independent of whether he wins a title or not. It's about impact you have on the organization. It, it's, you know, I Chris Kreider is going to have his name on so many Ranger records and be part of so many Ranger teams and be part of so many quote-unquote Ranger classics. It would honestly be weird if you don't retire his number. Now, if you, you know, the nuanced conversations, this is the Banajeds, the Igors, um, Fox when we get there. That's for another day, but... Kreider, I think, all he has to do is stay somewhat healthy the next four years. And this is a guy that might have the Rangers' all-time goal-scoring record. That You're not going to honor that guy because he didn't win a cup? Come on now. Yeah, what I'm are- with you. Just Rangers, love your questions, by the way. You do answer. You do ask a lot of good ones. So this is from Curmudgeon, Curmudgeon Dungeon. This is directly from me. Ryan, does living in Philly quell your hatred for their sports teams, given how awesome the city is, as an overt passion? This feels like a trap, but I will give you my honest answer. Um, I've never hated Philly sports the way Greg does, because uh-huh. I'm not a Mets fan, directly. Well, uh, there was also the times I almost got arrested in Philly because of interactions with their sports fans. Yes, this is correct. So yeah. my, my hatred for Philly sports is not the same. Do I hate the Flyers? Absolutely. I I absolutely hate the Flyers. Do I say go birds during the NFL season to everybody on the street? Yes, as well. I I like the Phillies. I don't love them. It's not like I'm like, oh, yeah, the Phillies are, are fucking great. I, I, I end up watching a lot of Phillies games because they're just on. And I do like the Philadelphia Union. But everything else is kind of like, I, I, I don't like the 76ers. Don't go out of the way of it. I don't really care. That's kind of it. Um. Given a gun with three bullets. Yes. And put in a room. You should Philly three times. With Adolf Hitler, (laughs) Chase Utley, and other bad person. I'm shooting Utley three times. Yeah, we all knew knew the answer. I I just, yeah, I, I think people associate my deep, deep hatred with Philadelphia so much that they assume you must hate Philadelphia too. No. My uh, my partner has gotten very into the Phillies, so I end up watching a lot of it. Wow, disappointed. I know. I know. Uh, so. But the, you know, the funny thing is, I actually kind of like the Eagles. Go birds, bro! I was at a camp last week. It's fucking awesome. Like, I, I don't care about the NFL, but when the when the birds are good here, uh, the city is wild. It's fucking crazy. I'm not enjoying you calling them the birds. I think that's I'm liking you, that. That's what you do when you're here. No, that's fine. <laughs> I think I like that less than you calling it the Chester. No. <laughs> okay. If I had a, if I had to grade things you do that I now the Chester hate. is number one. No, I think Go Birds is number one. Go Birds. Who the fuck are you? Oh, it's it's just what you say. Like when you walk to anybody in the street, if anybody That's looks fine. at you weird, you just go Go Birds, and everything. You're not cool. answering my question. Who the fuck are you? Uh, some guy who moved to Philly four years ago because I work remotely. I'm from New York. Third third thing you did that really pissed me off. You. I don't give a shit what you were saying in the Slack. You thought t- the U was the University of Florida. I did it. I promise. No. There's, I knew that Tim Tebow went to Florida. Yeah, and you thought the U was Florida. No, the, the U is Miami. You're an idiot. I, I know what you're trying to I watched the 30 for 30. You're directed. You're mis- trying to misdirect. I'm not. No, you're, you're the perfect level of dumb where you got those two things confused. I was being a confused. silly little goose. I don't understand why you don't think I was. Because you're an idiot. Oh, no disagreement. <laughs> <laughs> 
We agree. Uh, this is from Nick D. Actually, I like this question too. Do we think Truba that will play better next season? Now that he's had time to heal, whatever that mysterious injury was, and did see it did seem to play better in the back half of the season. And by the way, no one complained about Jacob Truba the second half of the season. Mysteriously, mm-hmm. very weird, very strange. Yeah, I think Truba's gonna have a fine year. I, I actually I don't want to say this is his defining year of his contract, but this is sort of like the end of his or the he's in his prime. Like he should be, he should be laying the hits and doing everything he does best. If uh, this this should be top top tier Jacob Truba this year, that's all. Yeah, I I don't know. I think I think <laughs> healthy players play better than not healthy players. This next question just made me like giggle in the background. Panarinoid right. Android. Laffy seems to be a group of 300 to 400 NHL players who are not posting their videos of offseason training. Why is he the only one of those saddled with the assumption that he's not working out or training this offseason? I could give you a real answer. He was drafted first overall. We've been talking about how he needs to work on his skating forever. Sometimes he looks like a twig. And it, there has been a lot of rumors and shots taken at him publicly about how often he golfs. And all those things combined, plus playing in New York, makes him a target. That is all. I think it boils down to just the fact that he plays in New York and people perceive that he hasn't reached his ceiling yet. So therefore, he gets stories written about him in ways that probably paint him in an unfair light. And he also has to deal with fucking idiots like you who come on this podcast yeah, like and me. say he's not working out enough. That's me. Yeah, you're, you're, you did this. I, I, this is my fault. I'm aware of this. There's only like one other podcast going right now. So that's it. Uh, yeah, Bill Simmons took a couple weeks off, huh? I, I know. Simmons is the second year in a row. Pearl Jam. Came back today. He's like, I'm back, baby. It's me. I know. <laughs> I, oh, Kevin Wilds had such a great point on his show, too. I didn't I listen know. to the full Kevin Wiles thing yet, but uh, I'm going to get to it. He said he wants, he wants not just in sports but in life for there to be more Royal Rumble moment, moments. So you're out to eat at dinner. Yes, and all of I a love sudden, this. Theme music comes in. Someone kicks the door open, and they're just showing up in the restaurant too. I got to tell you, it's the greatest idea I've heard in a very long time. I'm all the way in. Say Kevin, no more. I want it. Kevin Wilds and Bill Simmons' Half-Bake Idea podcast from circa 2012 are some of the best podcasts I've ever listened to. Oh, yeah. But just the royal rumbling of life is how Kevin Wilds <laughs> explained it. I'm all the way in. Ryan, imagine you show up to work and you're just a couple minutes late and people are like, oh, no, is Ryan not coming to work today? Then your theme music hits, the door opens, and people you go walk nuts. in as a fog machine <laughs> is, is blowing fog around you. And people are like, oh, oh, shit. People it's go right. nuts. My God, it's right, me. <laughs> he made it. He made it. Um, I, one, one, of my favorite, one of my favorite ideas he had was uh, Pizza TV in 2012. <laughs> he was like, it's just pizza 24 7. It's half baked. I was like, it's not a bad idea. Oh, um, God. I, I, Kevin Wilds is. No, if you guys don't know who Kevin Wilds is, you got to do some work. The fact that he's ascended to the point where. I think he's actually a big deal at Fox Sports. Which is weird. And he it was just weird. some dude Bill loved at ESPN that worked in the background. I know. Uh, two more questions from Tom Ertz. This is the first one. The Rangers hiring Laviolette very much suggests they essentially have entered their cup or bust window. With that said, do you think there's one more big move to come if they don't win this year? If so, what is the move? I don't know if there's like... It's hard to project. It's not like anybody's out there to really... I'm sure they're going to always go for a big star, but they can't really move off things. Everyone's got a no movement clause. Well, like, I mean, we have said that this is an Alexei Lafreniere put up or shut up year. So whatever the move is, if the Rangers, if the Rangers don't reach the peak, and more importantly, if the Rangers don't 
reach the peak because of a perceived slight from a certain first overall pick not taking that leap forward. I do think Lafreniere gets traded for something that the Rangers will try to tell us is significant. I don't know what that something is. Um, Agreed. But I, I, I think any move involving Alexi Lafreniere will be viewed as a big move. And I would expect one to happen if the Rangers don't go as deep as they want. But to be fair, hiring Gerard Gallant was the signal that it's a win or go home that is correct. era now. Um, and they made plenty of big moves in his two years. Andrew Kopp, Patrick Kane, Vlad Tarasenko. You can go down the list. The Rangers have been swinging for the fence for two years now, which is why Phantom Jake ends up on a top 25 under 25 list. Because I got news for you, Ryan. There weren't 25 guys to put on that list. I I really squinted my eyes and the last four dudes I was like I guess I can say Carl Henriksen though he's not going to have an NHL career I could say him right a fourth line center in Hartford that's five foot eight I could say him I could make this work Ugh. uh yeah I I don't know I the, whatever the next big swing is in the summer the Alexi Lafreniere question will be answered this year and we'll know that's that's where I land on it. Final question from Cole. What is your favorite ideal ice cream flavor? What? That's the question. Mine is mint chocolate chip. Yeah, I just like chocolate. I'm a, I'm a simpleton. Now, hold on. This was a debate that came up uh, hanging out with some of our friends. while we were pl- Have you played Shanghai? I have not. Oh, man. So fun. Suck at it, but so fun. Is it um, a card game? Yeah, card game. Okay. Uh, what is your go-to soft serve flavor? You got to do cone twist. Right? You have to do twist. Anybody that does anything but a twist, you're psychotic. You're kind of weird. Yeah. Like, it, you can't just go. You have to do twist. I will say this, though. If you if twist is not an option, if you choose chocolate over vanilla, I don't trust you. I think I agree. I think I agree. Because you could do. I, I don't like chocolate with sprinkles. I think if you put sprinkles on chocolate, it's weird. I don't know why. Mm. But it feels, it feels wrong. But if vanilla with sprinkles feels right. I don't know. Physical ice cream, chocolate to me is always king. I will always just get chocolate. Any variation of chocolate, I'm in. Soft serve, it's the twist. No second place. But if for some reason the twist is not an option, it has to be vanilla. Something about chocolate soft serve does not do it. We'll say this. If it's a Frosty from Wendy's, it has to be chocolate. Okay, but but that's like – but that's for me, if it's a milkshake, it has to be chocolate. Agreed. We're, we've never actually aligned this much in food takes in our lives. <laughs> this is the first time ever we've ever agreed on food. Yeah, if you're getting a milkshake and you don't get a chocolate milkshake, if you get a vanilla milkshake, I have so many questions for you. Number one, why didn't you just order milk? <laughs> why, milk. Why, why did you need the milk frozen for you to now drink milk? Because you, you can get a chocolate mix too, as long as the base is some somewhat chocolate. But mint chocolate chip—that's cool in a milkshake. I'm down. That's my favorite now, ice cream. Let, let's see if we can really nail this home, Ryan. When okay, is the one? most opportune time to order a milkshake? What do you mean, like time of day or when? Meal. There's two answers. There's one answer. Wow. Okay. I think you can get one for lunch. No. In the summer, I think lunch is an answer, and then post pizza is the other answer. No, you're wrong twice. Wow. Breakfast? breakfast? Yeah. No, you psycho. Yeah. <laughs> no. Breakfast. No. Breakfast Get is it. the best time to have a milkshake. Why? Because it just supplies you for the whole day? Whole day. And what? There's nothing goes better with a waffle than a milkshake. Nothing. 
hard for me to disagree with you on that one. Yeah, can't so, fight you on the waffle. And now a waffle. See, I'm a big breakfast at any time of day guy, but Neither a waffle I. is a specific before 10 a.m. food. What? Yeah. No, dude. You could do chicken and waffles for lunch very easily. No. Well, see, this is now that I don't. You sully the waffle name with your pudding of meat. With what? Fuck, <laughs> fuck out of here. Only thing that goes with a good Belgian waffle, fresh Such from a- the tree syrup. And butter. That's it. I never thought I'd hear you be such a purist in life. <laughs> yeah. I separate church and state, baby. I, I hear it. Uh, but, this like, has been... if, when you put chicken with a waffle, you're. I don't want syrup with my chicken. No, it's good, dude. It's really Fuck good. Fuck off, it's good. Especially it's not it's good. hot. Spicy chicken. So good. Oh, but you don't want a fucking milkshake with that? I could. I would have a milkshake with it for sure. I'd have a milkshake with my chicken and waffles. I'll yeah, fucking do it all. You're just. You're disgusting. I'm gluttonous. I'll do put that. In, put in the. Put in the meat with the waffle. God, I what want ice cream so bad now. I wasn't gonna do it, but now I'm gonna. You're gonna fucking do it. I'm probably gonna do it. All right. Uh, love you guys. We'll be back with BSBOT later this week, and uh, we'll talk to you guys on Thursday. They'll also for the folks, as Ryan doesn't want to play twenty five after twenty five under. 25. Jesus Christ! Twenty. You want me to do a twenty five above twenty five? <laughs> Just like, just quick, number 17. Uh, corpses. <laughs> corpses. <laughs> no, I'm not making the joke. Yeah, no, did. don't do it. Don't do it. Um, for, the, for the Patreon subscribers, Wednesday night, late Wednesday night, the annual NFL Over Under Wins podcast with all of my degenerate gambling buddies, Bear, John, Vin, Valley, Patrick, Dylan. Uh, that'll be Is available. That really? Yeah, so many it's, people. It's, oh, my God. It's going to be three hours long. It's going to be wonderful. That'll drop for you late Wednesday night. 25 under 25, I got at least two more parts coming for you. Uh, probably one releasing later tonight, as soon as we're done with this. The other one tomorrow morning. And then um, I think Gina and I are also planning to do a podcast because we, we have things we need to discuss. Ryan, another question for you. How many acts are in a movie or a play? Usually three. Three. Gina believes there is the pre-intermission and post-intermission. It has to be only two acts. That is very wrong. Storytelling is based in three acts. Three act structure. It's the first thing you learn in any screenwriting. Literally the first thing you learn in storytelling. Yeah. She's like, no. Why? why?" I tried to explain this to her one day. I was like, you (laughs) two the timing. Did she respond with like, hey, Greg, this is a coin. It has two sides. Oh, (laughs) uh, I have an update to that. Uh, Old friend Justin Keogh, dumbest Mm -hmm. kid we went to college with, potentially. you know how everything in life is 50-50? Yes. And how that originated with Justin. I do. It turns out the only thing in life that isn't 50-50 is a coin flip because it could land on its side. His words, not mine. Oh, I'm going to throw up. <laughs> <laughs> Boy, I, I, look, I didn't even take physics, and I know like we, we have so many questions to I answer mean, the coin here. could land on its side, but... The only thing in life that is not 50-50. Theoretically, is a there's flip. a chance if you throw a ball over a fence, it can come back on its own. Theoretically. <laughs> Every plane that flies above your head, Ryan, 50-50 chance there's a terrorist <laughs> on that plane. <laughs> what an insane sentence. <laughs> what an insane sentence. I just, uh, now and then, I did see I, Oppenheimer, I, by the way. Oh, it's so good. It was so good. yet, though, so you hate women? I saw, saw it with coworkers. Uh, uh, well, no, uh, Oppenheimer. Okay. With, uh... With people I was I was I'm doing some work with, and okay. it was like, oh, there's a five minute sex scene. <laughs> sure, yeah, a lot, there's, cool. there's Florence Pugh just sitting ass naked in a chair. Yeah, I was like, oh, cool, with my uh, with my people from work, awesome. Spoiler, yeah, oh, spoiler, big time spoiler. I might have Listen, to actually. It's been too. No, I, that that one I have to bleep out. So, oh my just, God. just I just don't want to get yelled at. That's all, all right. The spoiler was. 
There we go. I'm going to believe that one too. <laughs> All right. We'll be, back. we'll be back later in the week. Love you guys. Bye.